And I've had several people tell me that, uh, you know, following uh, trials on Twitter has really helped them, you know, uh, gain a better understanding of how the court system works. And I think that benefits everyone. This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi. My uh, co-host, Jay Craig Williams, has just been called into a court hearing and won't be with us today, but we're glad you could listen. Uh, I, of course, write the blog Law Sites and another blog called Media Law, and Craig writes the blog May It Please the Court. As uh, always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, SunTrust, which offers private wealth management solutions for attorneys and legal firms. Find more about them at suntrust.com slash law. And also Clio, the web-based practice management solution, which is available at goclio.com. Well, uh, with uh, with uh, technology and social media dominating the legal world, uh, reporting from the courtroom has uh, also changed radically, uh, going from uh, scribbling notes on a pad of paper and sketch artists uh, quickly sketching images of people in the courtroom to live coverage through blogs, tweets, uh, and other forms of media. Some judges have welcomed this, uh, and uh, others uh, have not been so sure about it. Uh, I'm, in fact, uh, serving on a, on a committee here in Massachusetts that, that's considering uh, whether the rules need to be writ- rewritten in this state on this topic. Uh, But today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to talk about this issue of reporting from the courtroom, about uh, various channels for doing that, about who is a journalist these days, uh, and uh, how judges, uh, journalists, lawyers, and others are dealing with that. Joining us are two guests uh, who are going to help us explore this issue First off, uh, I'm pleased to welcome to the show Ron Sylvester. Ron is staff writer for Interactive News for the Wichita Eagle and Kansas.com. Ron has covered courts and legal affairs for the Wichita Eagle since 2000. During a journalism career spanning three decades, he's covered beats ranging from sports to arts and entertainment, interviewing personalities such as George Brett and Johnny Cash. He's consistently ranked as one of the top reporters in online readership at Kansas.com. He's received national and international coverage for his use of social media, especially Twitter, in recording, reporting the news. Ron also writes the blog, What the Judge Ate for Breakfast, which can be found at blogs.kansas.com slash courts. Uh, and joining us uh, today from the federal courthouse in Wichita, Kansas, where he's covering a trial today. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Ron. Thanks for having me on, Bob. I appreciate it. And uh, next joining us today is Eric P. Robinson. Eric is an attorney in New York who specializes in media and internet law. He was a staff attorney at the Media Law Resource Center, a nonprofit that monitors and promotes First Amendment rights in libel, privacy, and related fields of law. Until December 2009, he previously worked at the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, 
and in staff positions for federal, state, and local elected officials. He teaches media law classes, has written articles including the Encyclopedia of the First Amendment, uh, and contributes to the blog, the Citizen Media Law Project, and blogs at bloglawonline.com. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Eric Robinson. Hi, it's nice to be here. Ron, I'd like to start with you and ask you how you uh, first got started uh, in, I guess, uh, blogging and tweeting from the courtroom. Uh, well, Bob, um, we we had been um, experimenting with different ways to try to get uh, news uh, from the courtroom out to our readers online, and we had um, we had we had first several years ago experimented with um, uh, doing uh, some email dispatches like throughout the day, and people said they liked the live coverage from the courtroom, but it wasn't coming often enough and it wasn't coming fast enough. And then um, a couple of years ago in 2008, uh, we decided to try to use Twitter uh, to meet those um, uh, expectations and, and uh, of, of our readers, and uh, it worked out so well uh, that uh, we were just pretty much inundated with uh, response and, and, and uh, people liking it, and, and, and we also found we could take the, the Twitter feed and, and put it on our website for people who weren't familiar with Twitter, and it just uh, it. it, it, it started serving um, a, a better purpose than uh, you know some of our uh, previous uh, ways we were we were you know filing updates first of all several times a day and then and then we tried doing it um, uh, from the courtroom like I said through email but but, but Twitter was much more immediate and and people really liked that and how have you had to work this with, with the judges who preside over these this courtroom? Um, you, you know, the judges in Wichita have been very, very open uh, to this. Uh, they, they, they've been open to the new technology. And uh, even in federal courts, like you said, I'm in the federal courthouse uh, today. And um, uh, I was one of the first uh, journalists to get permission to, to uh, do live tweets from federal court, where they usually don't let us bring in our cell phones, but we get permission from the judges. And, and they've been very open uh, with it. Um, uh, I've got to say, the first time uh, that I I was doing it. I, I didn't explain to the judge. Um, uh, this was over in state court. It was during a murder trial. And I said, uh, um, look, if it's okay with you, I'm going to be sending out uh, these short text messages, and, and they're going to be, uh, you know, reporting what's going on in the courtroom. And, and I'm not sure if he totally understood what was going on, uh, but, but uh, uh, you know, he said he didn't have any problem with it. And then uh, after about a few days of doing this, uh, I, I got um, – I was contacted by the uh, ABA – online journal, and uh, they were interested in it. They'd been following it. They'd noticed it. Uh, they did a story on it, and and, um, and this was right in the middle of the trial. And then the next day, the judge and the lawyers came in and said, by the way, what, what what's Twitter? <laughs> and, and they had yeah. seen it on the uh, they had seen it on the dispatches from the ABA Journal because all judges and lawyers you know read the ABA and and and, and with that came some uh, uh, kind of credibility I mean instant credibility because they're saying hey you know if the ABA Journal is reporting on it it must not be all that bad so uh, but the, 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 then they understood it further and uh, you know they've continued to let me uh, uh, do it. Well, not not to pick on judges, but I think there's been a couple of times I've had judges on on this podcast who had no idea what a podcast was. But but that that was okay as long as we got them on here. Eric, uh, what are you, I, I'm curious. I mean, 
you know, traditionally, uh, journalists have have perhaps no no greater or lesser right to be covering uh, or to be in the courtroom uh, paying attention to what's going on there than than any citizen does uh and some of the judges i've talked to have have not been uh not been opposed to sort of new technology from the courtroom so much as they seem to be concerned about who might be wielding that technology. I mean, do the issues of, of citizen journalists uh, coming into the courtroom and, and covering trials raise any particular legal issues in your mind? Well, the, the major issue is their role in the trial. I mean, if you have a juror that's uh, sending out t- uh, tweets or sending out text messages or you have a witness or you have a defendant, or you know, or uh, or a lawyer, um, and there was even at least a judge that a judge was accused of sending out uh, of uh, posting comments on a newspaper's website about cases, um, and that's unresolved. So I don't want to accuse her of it, but um, it really depends on their role in the trial, and that's been the big one of the big concerns, um, and also the other concern that. Ron mentioned of judges not just not being familiar with the technology and what it means and how it works and and the courts have generally been uh, reluctant to allow new technology in uh, and it, and uh, so they're very cautious about this sort of stuff. Well, one of the concerns I've heard in, in particular is not so much uh, say Twitter, but uh, the, the question of cameras in the courtroom for for those for for those courts that do allow cameras in the courtroom, uh, you know, traditionally there have been rules about uh, perhaps uh, allowing one camera that media outlets had to pool or uh, uh, you know a placement of camera or, or that kind of thing, and and the idea of people coming in, uh, you know, flipping on their iPhone and and being able to videotape everything that's going on. Uh, raises a whole new uh, sort of specter uh, in terms of what what it means to have people covering a trial or, or present in a courtroom. I mean, that's definitely true. I mean, ca- cameras has been a long-fought battle on a state-by-state basis. And like my state, New York, still doesn't allow cameras in, at least in, I mean, they do in the Court of Appeals, which is our highest court. But beyond that, they really don't. And it really has been a state-by-state battle. Uh, and the federal courts still have severe restrictions on cameras. Um, and actually, some courts have taken the same stance in terms of uh, cell phones with cameras, or they, some have even gone so far as to say that sending out a tweet is broadcasting in the strictest sense, and therefore it's covered by the same rules as other kinds of, you know, i.e. cameras in the courtroom. We, we do have, in Kansas, we do have uh, uh, cameras in the courtroom on the, in, in state courts, and they're restricted to one still camera and for the pool and one um, video camera for the pool that everybody can plug into. Uh, and, and, and judges have uh, um, uh, kind of dealt with the new technology in reminding people in the gallery, you're not, you know, you're not to use uh, uh, your cell phones. Uh, uh, we've appointed the, the people who take pictures or take video, and uh, you know if you want to plug in, and if you want to be, be you know a participant in that pool, 
you may, but they just, they, you know, uh, you know, a simple admonishment uh, usually takes care of it. Um, and they're reminding people that if you don't follow the rules, um, you know, you're going to be removed. And um, as as far as the, um, uh, you know, Twitter, you know, whether it's a broadcast or not, uh, you know, the judges I've t- talked to and dealt with said that they don't see it any different uh, because it's text-based than me writing a story uh, for the newspaper, except instead of waiting until the next day, it just goes out as I'm writing it. So, Well, I know, you know, Ron, I mean, you're... you're... I want to say, quote unquote, you're a mainstream journalist. I mean, you work for a legitimate news organization. You're recognized as a journalist. You've been one for a long time. Uh, does that make a difference uh, to the judges and lawyers and, and other people in the courtroom in terms of your use of new media there? And, and should it make a difference? Well, one thing um, that we that, that, that we all learned over the years is your, your First Amendment uh, rights in courtrooms are not absolute. Uh, it's not the same as uh, uh, necessarily covering a city council meeting or the, or the state legislature. I mean, it's up to the discretion of the judge. Uh, no matter who um, is, uh, you know, they, you know, they can allow people. You know, it's, it's up to their discretion. They can allow people to do what I'm doing or not. So yes, I think being a part of uh, not only just the, the 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 mainstream media, but the relationships I've developed and the and the trust that I've developed on this beat has really helped me in uh, judges allowing me to try different things. Um, you mentioned uh, uh, the blog that I do. Uh, we do a video series on that blog with a with short video posts and. And I have to get the judge's permission to, uh, you know, come in, and we call it common law because it, uh, um, it it represents kind of the everyday stuff that happens in courts that usually wouldn't get covered. And um, and then and then and they like what we're doing with that. They like the educational value. They like the message it sends. You know, I think if I was just walking in off the street saying, "Hey, can I bring in a video camera and do this?" They might be a little bit more skeptical. Uh, and what about the lawyers in the courtroom? How do they uh, respond to your being there using new media? Um, you know, they, they uh, showing up for um, cases like, you know, um, just regular probation violations, the daily stuff that happens. And at first they were like, well, what are you doing here to cover this? This is just a routine uh, hearing. And, and my response is always, that's the point. That's what we're doing. But, you know, um, uh, like I said, they're, they, they get used to seeing me. The first time I walked in, uh, the first few times I walked into a courtroom with my BlackBerry and a Bluetooth keyboard, people give me a um, – that, that's what I use instead of a traditional laptop because it's smaller, it's easier to carry, and it's a little uh, – judges find it that it's, um, it's distracting. And, uh, and and I usually get looks at, like, what's he got there? <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, uh, they get used to it. And and, and um, you know they, they really forget I'm there, and there's there's not a whole lot of difference uh, between what I'm doing with Twitter, typing things into a phone, and when I'm scribbling notes down on a uh, notepad. I think that's one of the big concerns that judges often have when they're first asked about this: is will it be disruptive? Will it be distraction in the courtroom? And if they can be convinced uh, that it's not. Uh, then they they're generally more open to it. Ronnie, my my producers are telling me that you need to get back in soon to to the trial that you're covering uh, is starting back up in in a few minutes. Uh, and 
what I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hoping Eric will uh, stay with us a little bit. But, but Ron, before we let you go, I wondered uh, if you wanted to kind of give us your your final thoughts, uh, uh, you know, on this topic in general, your perceptions, and, and also uh, remind our listeners of where they can follow your your tweets and your, and your blog posts. Well, on Twitter, I'm um, R Sylvester. Just uh, my first initial and last name, uh, S-Y-L-V-E-S-T-E-R. I'm easy to find on there. In fact, if you uh, do a Google search on Ron Sylvester, uh, my Twitter uh, usually, uh, my Twitter account is usually the first thing. on that, on that result, uh, as you said, the um, the blog is uh, um, blogs.kansas.com/courts. Um, you know, and, and, and my thoughts on this is is uh, that my thoughts on this are that the um, uh, public trials predate the Constitution, um, uh, and uh, you know they go back to uh, the common law of England, where they used to have trials in the public square. Well, what the internet has done, and what Twitter and what social networking has done, they just expanded the public square, and Twitter is a, a, a new way for more people to follow a trial live without having to um, go to the courthouse, uh, like you said. Uh, they can pick it up on their iPhone. And so um, uh, I, I, I think that makes courts more accessible to people, and I've had several people tell me that uh, you know, following the trials on Twitter has really helped them you know, uh, gain a better understanding of how the court system works, and I think that benefits everyone. Well, uh, let me thank you very much for taking time out on your break here to to join us on this program. We really appreciate your time. Uh, I I follow your Twitter feed, and I, and I encourage our listeners to do the same. It's really fascinating uh, when you're when you're in the throes of a trial to to watch you uh, doing this. Uh, and and uh, Eric, I hope you'll stay with us. We're going to take uh, a short break now, and uh, when we come back, we'll. Uh, uh, be back uh, with Eric Robinson to talk a little bit more about uh, reporting and social media from the courtroom. Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and waiting through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code L2L for a 25% discount. Engage your brain. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and listen to all the great legal podcasts. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. 
or go to westlegaledcenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. Uh, We are here speaking with attorney Eric Robinson, uh, attorney in New York who specializes in media and internet law. Uh, if you uh, are just joining us, Ron Sylvester, uh, reporter for the uh, Wichita Eagle, uh, just left us so he could get back to the trial that, that he's covering. Uh, and we're talking about reporting uh, journalists and citizen journalists from the courtroom. Uh, and Eric, I'm wondering from from where you stand uh if there are, you know, we were just talking to Ron, who, again, I, I, I hate to call him a mainstream journalist, a legitimate journalist, but but he is that. And uh, there uh, certainly seems to be an increasing number of, of uh, you know, citizen journalists, of people who are taking an interest in trials, who are going in and attempting to cover trials uh, in their own ways, on their own blogs. Uh what what are the legal issues for them, for a, a blogger or someone who perhaps doesn't work for a mainstream outlet to be aware of and going into uh, to cover a courtroom? Well, in the strict legal sense, I mean, the, the right that Ron, Ron has to cover the courts is the same as anyone else. The, the so-called mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, doesn't have any more right to cover the courts than any other citizen does um, and to attend court and... and um, take notes and those sorts of things. Um, but and, and what he's accomplished there is actually pretty remarkable. Um, and it seems as if he's approached the judges and spoken to them about it. And you know, asked, I mean, an important thing to do is if anyone wants to do this sort of thing is talk to the judge first. Don't just show up with your. Uh, you know, whatever you device you're going to use, your laptop, your cell phone, whatever it is, um, and start doing it. Um, it, it. It does a lot of good to actually discuss this with the court, you know, with the judge, maybe the bailiff, if, you know, um, and even the lawyers involved in the case, just to make everyone comfortable with it, um, and so they know what you're doing. And of course, you know, we were talking before about restrictions on cameras in the courtroom, but of course, a lot of courtrooms have rules regarding technology or the use of technology in the courtroom. Uh, I know here in Massachusetts, there are still a number of courts in which you can't even, you still can't bring your cell phone in. Uh, and uh, I assume that's something that, that people need to be thinking about. Right. Well, I mean, uh, there are some courts that will even check your cell phone with like the security people, at, you know, at the front. Um, there are no... This is a new issue, and the courts are dealing with it to some extent on an ad hoc basis. Uh, Even courts that ban cameras or uh, are, it still is to some, depending on the particular uh, state and the statute that's involved or the rule that's involved, the judge does have a lot of discretion. So, for example, there have been some federal federal courts and Federal courts have a pretty strict policy against cameras, but there have been some federal courts that have allowed cameras in under certain circumstances. So it really is uh, all over the map to some extent, literally and figuratively, in terms of policies and 
how the courts and judges feel about this sort of thing. You know, you, you point out that, uh, you know, under under the First Amendment, uh, in theory, uh, uh, professional journalists have, have no greater or lesser standing in the courtroom than any citizen uh, does to be present there. Um, and yet, I, I, I have to say, I, I hear from some judges that I've talked to about this that there is... Uh, they they have a level of comfort, I guess it is, w- with professional journalists that that those journalists will uh, be more familiar with the uh, sort of the customs of of the courtroom, the formalities of the courtroom, and perhaps be more respectful of those. I, I've heard some judges say that they worry that you know citizen journalists may not understand uh, uh, issues of of uh, you know sort of respecting jurors or or respecting the decorum of of the courtroom. Right. Uh, is it appropriate for judges to make those kinds of uh, uh, differentiations? Uh, and how should citizen journalists react if, if they encounter that kind of a sort of a, you know, it's almost a kind of a prejudice, I guess, uh, that they might deal with in the courtroom? Right. Well, as a strict legal matter, I mean, what I said before holds true that under the First Amendment, the rights of a, quote, journalist, whatever that means, unquote, um, is the same as any other citizen. As, but, you know, there's an element of practicality here and human interaction. Um, and that's why it, if a judge is familiar with a reporter who's been covering the courts for a long time and who they know, they're obviously going to feel more comfortable when that reporter says, hey, I'd like to bring in a laptop and send, you know, send in some messages or send tweets or, you know, what, or emails or whatever they actually want to do than if a, str- a stranger comes in and, and asks to do the same thing. Um, it's just a question of getting the judges uh, familiar and comfortable with the technology. And some judges have a steeper learning curve than others. Uh, some judges are up on this uh, stuff and others are not. So, it really is a very individual, case-by-case, judge-by-judge, courtroom-by-courtroom sort of thing. Um, and it obviously helps if they're, they know the person and trust them. I know that I, I, I was in, I, over the past couple of weeks, actually, I've been, I've been trying to see if I could find uh, copies of, of published uh, uh, pol- policies or orders uh, or any sort of formal documents coming out of courts relating to uh, authority for for uh, sort of blogging or tweeting from the courtroom. Uh, and I'm not seeing much out there. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure I've found anything in terms of a formal policy. Should, should courts be be adopting this. I have seen that a couple of courts are at least thinking about it. And as I mentioned, I'm on a committee here in Massachusetts that's looking at this, but but nothing's come out of that at this point. Should courts be adopting formal policies to deal with the issues of citizen journalists in the courtroom? Well, courts are increasingly adopting policies, and this is something I've actually focused on a lot, um, regarding uh, what I was talking about before in terms of jurors' uh, tweeting or text messaging or emailing from from the courtroom, from the jury room, from the hallway outside um, during a trial. That's been a big concern. Uh, and uh, some, you know, and some courts just ban it and some courts try to police it and some courts, more enlightened in my view, 
try to explain to jurors why it's important that they not do that sort of thing, not tip their hand or comment on the case while it's still ongoing. Um, but courts are are wrestling with that issue. I don't know if they've moved on to the, which is more of a, they see as a direct legal threat to the actual proceeding. Uh, and there have been a couple of cases that have actually been um, overturned because of tweets or emails that have been sent by jurors. Um, a handful, not many, um, but they're out there. Um, in terms of, you know, citizen journalists covering cases, again, it really hasn't been handled on a system-wide level that I'm aware of. It's more an ad hoc sort of thing up to the individual judge and how he or she interprets the rules that apply to broadcasting and and other thing, and just their general attitude towards it. Right. Well, I, you know, and again, one of the, I mentioned this before, but one of the issues with, with cameras with specific reference to, to jurors is that, uh, you know, there there is this this fear that, uh, especially in criminal cases, that uh, well, I shouldn't say with respect to jurors, with respect to witnesses, that that uh, you well, know, cam- cameras. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say it's jurors. Also, there's a big concern about jurors. Right. That, that they'll be used to to show uh, to sort of uh, publish the, the the faces of jurors, the faces of witnesses. Um, in perhaps in criminal prosecutions, perhaps with an eye towards, uh, you know, retaliation of some sort or a threat of retaliation, and, and that that can really uh, intimidate uh, witnesses and jurors uh, from the courtroom, uh, and and that you know, there was there was the, a case the, in Florida with it, with the, with that where two people were in the courtroom, two friends of the defendant, uh, and they the judge. Uh, saw saw uh, saw them taking pictures with their cell phones of witnesses, um, and uh, and said that they were trying to intim- being intimidating to the witnesses, and they actually did get uh, held in contempt and sentenced to I don't remember what the sentences were, but they were a few weeks in in jail for that. So, uh, you know, what is your this is. Uh... A purely hypothetical question, I guess, but you know the the, the idea is that jurors should not have uh, sort of access to this technology. That that you know we we we've even heard of jurors going on on Google and whatnot as they're delivering a case to try and do a little research. Uh, should new technology be kept out of the courtroom, or should the courtroom somehow adapt to this new technology? I, I mean, do we have to re? Should courts be rethinking the way? Uh, the jurors work. Uh, should should jurors be given more leeway to do this, or do we have to stick by the sort of the the, the tried and true methods of, of juror deliberation? Well, as you know, traditionally, you know, before the internet and and all this stuff came along, traditionally judges would tell jurors, "Don't read, don't read the newspapers about this case. Don't talk to your friends. Don't talk to your spouse." Uh, don't discuss it amongst each other until you, you know until the case is until it's time for you to deliberate. Um, to some extent, that's always been a legal fiction that jurors are, are never going to talk about the case or never going to read an article about the case that they're uh, you know hearing. Um, the stakes are the opportunities uh, for jurors to 
get information and send out information are obviously much more magnified now because it's in everyone's pocket. Um, and it, it's almost impossible to police it. Um, I, I mean, I'm all for two new technology, and I'm all for free speech and free expression and access to information. So I'm not willing to say that courts should be able to ban these sorts of these things. But I do think you have to appeal to jurors' higher nature and explain to them. Don't and don't just ban it or say don't do it. You actually have to explain to them the rationale and the reasoning behind it and why it's important for them to hear the entire case before they start making judgments and before they start, um, you know, tr telling other people what they think about it. And also that there are rules of evidence and there are reasons why certain things are not admissible in court without getting into the specifics for that particular case, but just in general. And that's why we don't want you, you know, doing a Google search for the names of the parties and things like that. Well, Eric, uh, we are just about at the end of our time for this program. And before we close out the show for this week, we would like to offer you an opportunity to, uh, as we did with Ron, to have your closing thoughts, uh, your final thoughts on the topic. And also, if you'd like to tell our listeners how they can follow up with you, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. So uh, how about your closing okay, thoughts? Great. Um, I just want to thank you, and I want to thank Ron. What he's doing is actually pretty spectacular. Uh, he re he really is at the forefront of this, uh, and has gotten uh, a lot, you know has done a lot to promote uh, technology in the courts. Um, I, uh, as you said before, I, I I do work for the Citizen Media Law Project at uh, the Berkman Center at Harvard. Um, and and their website is citmedialaw.org. Um, I also have my own blog where I write about these issues and uh, a few others, and that's bloglawonline.com. And uh, people can reach me. My email address is eric at bloglawonline.com. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today, Eric. Uh, and and thanks again to Ron Sylvester also for his time. Uh, we uh, would like to uh, remind our listeners that uh, they can find this uh, program and archive of all of our past programs at thelegaltalknetwork.com and also on uh, iTunes in the podcast library there. And a reminder that you can now get CLE credit for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer. Go to uh, Legal Talk Network. Look for the West Legal Ed Center icon there and click on that, and you can find out about how to get CLE credit. Uh, Eric, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, we will be back next week with another great episode of Lawyer to Lawyer. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.